Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shank needs to be in perfect the the premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. G'day everyone. Welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast. It's been a crazy week in the AFL. We haven't even kicked a footy yet and there is already probably more to discuss this week than there has been in a the Eagles round one game against Melbourne, which is currently scheduled to happen. We'll see what happens in the next couple of days. But uh, yeah, guys, I think we're all sort of in the same boat together. We might as well just power on and get through this. And if news happens, news happens. So let's go. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and I am joined this week making his season debut, making his return to the podcast by Mr. KK. How you doing? I'm good. I'm genuinely shocked to be sitting here, but uh, virus free for the time being, at least as far as I know. That's good. Always good. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some chat. Obviously, the dominating story about uh, footy, well, about the world, not just the footy world, but the world has been the coronavirus. So touch wood, everybody out there's safe, healthy, happy, friends and family, all, all good and all doing the right things. Don't be dicks, guys. Everybody needs toilet paper. Just relax. Uh, we'll get stuck into footy in just a second, but also joining us on the show today is Keys. Returning to the show, welcome back, Keys. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Crazy times. That's uh, something that I don't think any of us contemplated ever having to face. So decisions are being made at high levels that I don't envy them. They're all difficult. I don't know that they've all been right, but it's hard to criticise because there's so many moving parts and so many things to factor in at, at all levels. But uh, we just try and get, a look, get us by as best we can and, um, and hope for the best. I'll tell you what, Keys. if you think it's hard to criticise, you've got another thing coming in the next couple of minutes because I'm ready to go full soapbox on the AFL house and the way that this has all played out. Uh, before we get into that, as always, if you'd like to get in contact with the show, feel free to do so through Big Footy. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at WCEBFPod pod uh, and any ratings any reviews subscriptions all of that on itunes tell a mate uh post it in your in your eagles group that you've got or anything like that it's all helps us and uh you know build a listening base as we get towards a very very interesting afl season All right, guys, it's obviously the biggest topic. Usually the build-up to round one involves building up towards the games of round one. That has not been any of the headlines this week. We've, of course, only just got the word from Gil probably about an hour ago that round one is going ahead. They delayed any sort of decision, and then they delayed it again, and they kept delaying it, and then they had a call, and then the call got delayed. But we finally know, KK, we are going ahead. We're playing footy or at least we're playing round one, and uh, a 17-game season starts tomorrow. Your thoughts? Well, for an organisation that we rightly criticise for making policy on the run, this is they've exceeded even their own high bar in that in that regard for this. I, we're kicking off round one tomorrow, which I'm still not convinced will actually be completed because, there's, as we know in the last week, a lot can happen hourly or daily, and we have no idea what round two looks like. Uh, our team's meant to prepare for 
round one not knowing who or when they're going to be playing their round two games. We've got adjusted rules in terms of 16 minutes plus time on. I don't know if they've made any other changes to interchange and all that. So something that clubs haven't even prepared for or, or practiced with. And and then you've got the whole logistics of actually having this this competition running for, for a number of weeks and trying to get plays to all these games. I, I work in the aviation industry and it's an absolute bloodbath out, out there and um, – actually flying players around the, the country, just the safety thing is one thing, but actually having flights available to, to meet a fixture that they're still trying to decide how it looks, it's um, absolutely ludicrous. It, it's a crazy decision. They, they only need to look in their own backyard with the issues it's going to cause with the AFLW of trying to finish a season they've already started. It, it's much easier just to not start it wait for a point in time where you've got some clarity about what your season looks like and if you need to have a condensed season with different rules or whatever, then do it and you know that start what it's going to look like with a reasonable certainty that it's going to finish rather than having a season that they've already acknowledged is going to be paused at some point in time. It's madness. It sure is. Well summed up. There's obviously a lot to unpack here. And I, I think, look, in general, we try and have a bit of a structure and, and, you know, go through things in a bit of a logical order. This is just a mess. It's a tangle. So there is going to be a few tangents and jumping all over the place. Keys, the handling of the week, uh, your reaction when Gil just announced that round one is going ahead. How has this last couple of days, how have they played out in your mind? It's been pretty shambolic, which is an understatement. Look, I'm, I'm sympathetic to, the, to Gill and the AFL Commission in the sense that, you know, what we're faced with and what they're faced with as a league, this is a this could be a club killer. Certainly if a season doesn't happen at all, uh, there's there's a number of clubs that are, that are borderline insolvent at the best of times. This, is, this has ramifications for them, just as it does for wider society, I think. Whenever we're on the other side of this, whether that be in two months or three months or six months or or whenever, uh, there's going to be some carnage through all of society. You know, there's businesses aren't going to survive. People are going to lose their jobs. People are going to lose their houses. And the AFL are facing that prospect. They're trying to do what they can to, to perhaps stave that off. So I'm not, I'm not, like I said, unsympathetic to their position in wanting to try and go ahead and get some football. But as KK said, you've got a situation where they had, they know they're going to get paused at some stage. It's inevitable that, that a player or a coach or someone's going to get the virus at some point or something's going to come over the top that just shuts it down. It's as sore as not far as day, the season's going to be shut down. Why you start with that knowledge is beyond me and I think that they've rushed headlong into a decision that they could have they could have just said look let's postpone it for two weeks at a minimum maybe four weeks they've committed to a 17 game season so they had they actually had given that there's a bye week before the finals and the bye rounds they actually had until about from my calculations about the 5th of May to start a season where you could get 17 games in in an uncompromised season and still finished with a grand final in September. So they had eight weeks built in where they could have sat back and said, right, we're going to plan for this. We're going to take six, five or six weeks to plan it. Then we're going to start it on the 5th of May and we're going to do it properly. We're going to redo the 
fixture. We're going to work out what we're going on and we're going to speak to all the clubs and we've got time to do it. What they've done now is gone half-cocked and said, oh, f- it, let's just go and see what happens. And then they're going to turn around. And, and the debacle that you saw today where no one knew if round one was happening, that's going to happen every round and almost every game where no one knows for sure if the next game or the next round is actually going to go ahead because this thing is moving way too fast for anyone to get a proper handle on it. It is positively insane. That's that's well put as well, uh, Kays. Yeah, just so much to get your head around and so many threads to, to pull on to untangle. Look, off the top, let me say, obviously this is a football podcast. This issue is far bigger than football. It's a health issue. Kays, as you've rightly pointed out there, people are going to lose a lot through this. So without us really diving into that, I don't think we need to dive into it as such. Like, we're going to talk about the footy elements of it here, but obviously know that there are much larger elements at play throughout this process. Uh, KK, you touched on the AFLW, and this has all just come through now in the last couple of minutes. Initially, the ruling was that the AFLW was finished and they were going to start finals, and presumably with the same final structure. That seemed to be the way it was going. Now they have announced that they've revised the final structure, so eight teams are going to play. You've got Collingwood tweeting... Three minutes ago, hold the phone. We thought we were done, but it turns out we're in finals. This is not the way to conduct a professional sporting well, code, men's or women. Talk about bloody policy on the run. Yeah, yeah. You're presenting yourself as a professional product, as a professional league at multiple levels, at state levels with all your waffle, VFL, etc. All of these things are intertwined. You're trying to do it professionally and look good, and you've got clubs tweeting that it turns out we're in finals. That should never, ever happen for any reason. Just uh, keys you mentioned there. They had six weeks. They've had a six-week buffer they could have done. They didn't want to use it because this is my theory at least. They wanted to make somebody else make the decision. Then they could go to Foxtel and say, hey, we tried. We did everything in our power. They're worried about the broadcast money. They're worried about disappointing the, the stakeholders. whole process has just been absolutely disastrous from the start. But, uh, I mean, let's try and keep some semblance of structure to it here, I suppose, KK. Your thoughts, at the very least, the thing we've known for the longest time, we're playing in front of no fans. We're playing in empty stadiums. Your thoughts on the decision to continue along with the empty stadiums? Most sports sort of followed that that familiar model over the last few weeks. They went from everything's okay to we're going, we're playing but there's no fans to not playing at all. The AFL is the only one that stopped after stage two and... Yeah, we once have made a decision to go ahead. Obviously, they can't they can't be having having the fans in the in attendance. It's going to feel really weird watching football with no fans. It's um, in the crowd's part of the game. Even watching on TV, you, you watch, you flick on any sport and you see an empty stadium. You think it's a preseason game or no one something that no one gives a crap about. So it's going to feel very odd trying to watch uh, a game for premiership points with, with no one in attendance. Um, yeah, it'll. It's a bit weird if we, if we get to that on Sunday. I mean, Keith's made the, the right point that this hasn't really answered a question. We're, at the moment, we're playing tomorrow. Who knows what could happen tomorrow or, or the next day? And if one player tests positive, that's it. The whole thing's shut down. And I struggle to see with all the people involved and all the interactions and the interstate travel and all that, that there's no way that someone is not going to test positive. And, that isn't, and that's ignoring the fact that external forces may shut it down anyway. Yeah, so let's explore that. They, they've talked about effectively the, this isn't the exact wording, obviously, but the gist was today that 
it's not a matter of if, but when the season gets put on pause. And as a result of that, they've decided to take some measures. Number one, 17-game season, as we've discussed. Uh, number two, the quarters are being shortened. And I suppose the theory then is the players are exerting less in any given game, and therefore you can cram more games into a small period of time. Uh, KK, you touched on we don't know when round two is happening, which is completely fair. We had a tweet today, I think it was from John Ralph, saying that perhaps Richmond could be playing Collingwood as soon as Tuesday, having played on Thursday. Keys, you've got the AFL saying that health and welfare is still the number one priority here. You're then turning around and saying maybe we're going to be playing games on four or five days rest. We'll do interstate travel despite all the government agencies saying, hey, maybe don't travel interstate. Let's pretend this season goes along. How long, honestly, do you give this? How many games do you give this before they hit pause? Well, I think that's the unknown. I mean, it is an unknown, but at the, at the current rate, where we are on the little on the bell curve and, and looking at the experience of other countries, you've got to... I mean, there's a chance this round doesn't finish. I think round two is 50-50 at best, and that's being really, really generous. I think beyond round two, I don't think you're going to get past round two. You've had, we've had, they've had a couple of scares. You know, uh, Spikowski at Fremantle been tested, Pendlebury's been tested. Uh, fortunately, they've both come back negative. But it's just it only takes one, um, and these guys have lives outside of football. Without wanting to stray off football for too much, the way the testing's being done. They're only testing people that have come back from overseas or have had direct contact with someone from overseas. So the likelihood that there's people who uh, got the virus that haven't been tested walking around in the community is quite high. You know, there's obviously people that have got it and aren't even actually showing symptoms that can infect. So just to think that you're going to get that far into the season without one person out of you know, a thousand, two thousand people involved closely at AFL clubs. I think you're kidding yourselves. So, and and that doesn't count the fact that at some point the government's made decide that interstate travel is actually banned because that is, I think that's something that the WA government could quite possibly be pushing quite highly. You know, we we are isolated. We've got that advantage. There's no reason why the gov- the WA government might not turn around and say, no, we, we want to push for a ban on interstate travel unless it's essential. And a football game doesn't fall into the category of essential travel. So you're not going to get very far into it. I don't really see the point of the games. It, it's, it, is, it is madness. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement on that. The other thing, you've got staff at the club, you know, they're in contact with people, uh, Aaron Phillips was tested. Now, I'm not sure specifically the interaction at every club that the men's and women's program have, but you've got a huge number of people that could all they have to do is come into contact with somebody and it could spread quickly. Just today in America, four of the players from the Brooklyn Nets, and you're thinking the roster on the NBA, 15-man roster. So you've got a third of your players have it now, have come back positive, and they haven't played for two weeks. That league's been on, on pause for a week, a week and a half, something like that. Um, Bailey Banfield at Fremantle, he's spending time away from his partner because, you know, she's obviously got her life and coming into contact with people at her workplace, same for him, etc. It's a, a crazy, crazy imposition on everybody's life. 
and obviously it's a health issue. It needs to, it needs to be done. But to then turn around and try and launch a season on the back of that, it, it is surely going to be the season if it continues. It's not going to be seen to be legitimate. It's compromised at every level. The, the quarters are different. The rules are going to be different. The fixture is going to be different. People were trying to claim there'd be more integrity because every team's playing each other once, but not if you're playing on a four-day break. Not if you're having teams play home games at venues that aren't their own venue because you've got to keep them all in the same state for a while. The whole thing is a mess. KK, I know you're a, a soccer fan as well, same as myself. You've only got to look at, at what's happened over there in England. Liverpool are... Almost certainties. Mathematically, I think they can still lose it, but they are virtual certainties to win their first title in 30 years. Uh, But they've paused the season, even though there's only a few weeks to go. If they're pausing seasons, the NBL, they've just called off their grand final series with two games left. It was going to be finished on Sunday. It was going to be finished before the Eagles game played, I believe. And they've cancelled it. So if that's what's happening in world sport, KK, just, I mean... What what are they thinking? Is this season ever going to be recognised as legitimate, even in a best-case scenario where somehow all of the games are played and the Premiership is awarded in front of zero people at Marvel Stadium? Yeah, it'll be the world's biggest asterisk, won't it? Um, it it's a very insular view, and I'm sure behind the scenes is, is it half an eye to what the NRL are doing as well, and maybe neither competition wanted to, to blink first and um, risk not being the last man standing playing sport, but they're really, they're, they're crossing their fingers, closing their eyes and just hoping for the best that somehow the the, the general um, rising cases across across the country slow down, get to a manageable level and restrictions are being lifted and they've been able to keep playing through that and they're in a position that um, this will look like a genius move in hindsight, but that is just the biggest um, long shot you'd ever ever hope to try and hit because it, it is just not going to happen that way unless we're somehow different to pretty much every other country worldwide. <laughs> yep, seems likely. Uh, Keys, well, I'll say this, guys, I think we're all on the same page with this one. So, uh, Keys, some final thoughts from yourself on this whole process and also I will put to you, same as I've put to KK just now, if the season is somehow complete and let's pretend that they play a regular fixture of weekends for 17 weeks. It's Clearly, that's not going to happen. But let's pretend that it actually goes ahead just without fans. Do you think this season will be recognised, this premiership recognised? Do you think that you know the, the number one draft pick or the team that finished last or the team that finished on top, do you think all of these things are going to officially actually be recognised or, or is there really no point, even from a fan's perspective, of committing to this and, and trying to even award a, a premier and get this season underway and finished? Oh, look, I think if they get a, if they get a full 17 rounds in and they get them done in a proper order and things like that, I think you can probably turn around and say, yeah, there's, it was a shortened season, but we've got everyone played everyone once. Uh, we've got a, a good indication of, of who was the best side and things like that. So I think there's, there'll always be an asterisk to the season simply because it wasn't usual. But I think you can. I think if you get seventeen proper rounds in, you can still have a level of legitimacy to what happens. But that comes back to the point that we made probably at the outset: is it would have been far better for those seventeen rounds to happen without the break in the middle, so that you know you've got seventeen legitimate rounds. They've all played under some same conditions, 
uh, and without this sort of bastardised 16-minute quarters things that, that they're going with now, which what they're doing, they're already caught, they're, they're basically compromising the season before they've even begun when you could have paused at the start and then gone and said, well, we've got this period of time. We can. This is what we need to do. We can still get a little bit legitimate season in the time frame we've got left and go from there. What they're doing now is almost guaranteeing that you're not going to give a get a, a fully legitimate season in the eyes of the fans because things aren't going to be even. And, and as you sort of said, you know, you, they're talking about teams playing home games in, in different states to limit travel and, and all these things. And, and whether you like it or not, or whether the AFL say it's going to happen or not, the reality is, is the burden of that type of arrangement is going to fall on the, the non-Victorian clubs simply because there's more clubs in Victoria. So you're going to find that the Eagles, for instance, are probably going to, you know, they end up playing in a 17-game season, they might end up playing 10 or 11 games in Victoria or other states and only maybe six in their home state, whereas uh, Richmond will do their normal, they'll play all but two or three games at the MCG. Um, so you've got compromises there uh, built in because of the way they're trying to structure it and the way they're rushing it without a coherent plan in place. They're just, they're just winging it, and that makes any claims of legitimacy hard to, to claim once the season's washed up, if we do get, in fact, to 17 rounds. Well, guys, I think we might leave it there from uh, from the administrative side of things. There's so many questions, and obviously that has been the tone throughout this, is we just so much is up in the air, it's all unknown. I'm fascinated to see what happens with players' contracts. If they play three games and then the season's paused, does that count as a year served in your contract? Does that count as a year served towards free agency? Does your contract run down a year? Is everybody just going to be out of contract at the end of the year? You know, draft picks. What if we get halfway through the season and a team's on the bottom? Is that the draft order or is last year's ladder the draft? There's so many things that are up in the air. The AFL, we've all said, I cannot fathom why they didn't just buy themselves the most amount of time they could. Um, they obviously wanted to buy themselves time because they kept delaying things by a day. But for whatever reason, they've chosen to announce it. We're going ahead. And with that said, guys, I guess we'd better actually uh, preview some footy. <laughs> So despite everything that's going on, the Eagles do in fact play on Sunday. Well, fingers crossed they play on Sunday at the moment. That's the direction it's headed towards. Uh, They open the season at Optus Stadium in front of nobody. They're going to be playing against Melbourne, 20 past three, closing the round out on Sunday afternoon. KK, let's start with those crowds. Uh, We've seen, despite a world health pandemic being announced. We've still seen the Vicks have a big old sook about free kick count and about the crowd's influence. So let's go the other way. What do you think the impact will be on the Eagles in general of playing to nobody? I think it'll be an unusual situation for, for all the players, really. And I think it'll probably impact us more than Melbourne, right? because it's, it's, it's so foreign for us playing in Optus Stadium without a crowd, and we're used to having that passion home crowd and I'm presuming we can pipe in some canned booing noises at appropriate moments into the into the stadium just to, to get us over the line and make sure the umpires remember where they are because <laughs> yeah it, it's just going to feel very surreal and I think the, the biggest thing is um, for the players to actually get themselves up for the game it's for, for one thing there's there's no crowd and there's no sort of energy around the ground to 
to feed off. It's going to feel like a scratch match behind closed doors and it's going to be hard not to. And secondly, there's going to be a, a part of him questions, what's the point? How, how, how excited can I be about this game when it might be the last game I play for six months and there might be a season that ends up being scrapped? Do you, I don't know if I saw part of the last NBA game after they'd already announced the shutdown and they finished the games in progress. And, yeah, it was <laughs> it was exactly guys just walking around and just didn't really know what they wanted to do. No one wanted to be there. And yeah, I, I could see a bit of that bit of that creeping in um, across all the games, not just ours. I think going back to what Keith said about the fixturing, the, if they're going to do this 17-round season with limiting travel, pretty much every team who plays – West Coast and Frio should do it in one swing. And ditto for Port and Adelaide, Sydney, GWS, Brisbane, Gold Coast, and mix it around. And that's really, that would be the only fair way to do it, which means it won't be done at all and it'll end up exactly what, what Keyes said. Yeah, I mean, the, the they've discussed that uh, the first four rounds will stay intact, but as you uh, mentioned up the top, we don't know actually when round two is going to happen, assuming it does happen. It, it may be brought forward by a series of days. So then you've got the discussion of, if it's a 100-point blowout uh, and you've got guys that you'd want to rest in a normal situation, they're going to be playing again in four days. Do you sit them on the pine for the last couple of minutes? You know, Do we know that? How early do we get this information? There is so much up in the air um, that it, it makes trying to analyse round one quite difficult. But, Keys, let's soldier on nonetheless. KK talked about the energy. Uh, we've seen basketball games with a very low energy. We've seen uh, Champions League games in the soccer played to nobody that just had no energy whatsoever. Do you think that given the boys have been off for a while, they're obviously desperate to play footy, the Players Association voted almost unanimously to keep going. So the boys are obviously up for it. Do you think that energy is going to be able to be manufactured from within the group? I'm not sure. I, yeah, I, I think it's one of the, the great questions heading into the, the round. I, I mean, the mindset... I mean, it affects both sides equally. So I don't think Melbourne are disadvantaged or advantaged any more than what we are. And I think every side is going to have their own challenges with the players that, you know, probably spent three or four months heading towards round one, planning everything and uh, heading towards that that first game. And then now for the last two weeks, they've spent, you know, in meetings and wondering whether or not they're, play, they're even playing. It's going to... It's near impossible, I think, to judge just how the players come out and react. And I think, I think we we are well served in the sense that we're we're a fairly experienced playing group. Uh, we've got good leaders around the club that can help the younger guys in handling different situations. I think playing in an empty stadiums going to be quite surreal for the players. You know, there's no there's going to be no energy from a goal. I mean, even even from a Melbourne player's perspective, I mean, when you get a goal, you, you sort of soak up the negative energy of the crowd. You know, you you get a you kick a goal and you you're against the crowd. You haven't even got that to feed you um, any more than the Eagles players are going to be able to feed off the emotion of the crowd. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the players handle that because you know they're going to have to generate that themselves uh, amongst the group. It's going to be you know these guys these guys won't have played a proper game in front of no crowd for, you know, you think someone like Josh Kennedy who's been playing for, or Shannon Hearn, they've been playing for 13 or 14 years. You know, they're, they're going back, you know, 15 years since they played a proper game in front of a handful of people. So 
it's going to be weird for all of them. Yeah, you even look at last year, the game in the Northern Territory. It was, I think, it was only seven or eight thousand people, but it felt packed. It's a, you know, that's the size of the venue. It was everybody was packed in. So, going from that, or, or we've seen the preseason games with a couple of thousand there. The drop-off between a few thousand down to zero is staggering. Um, for the purposes, I suppose, of, of the rest of the pod, we might as well pretend that everything was business as usual, obviously knowing that there is the X factor of that no crowd and the delayed or the interrupted preparation for round one. But let's let's just continue on as though it were just another game and it happened to be a regular round one on a regular year. KK, one thing we do know coming in is that the shortened quarters, they're down to 16 minutes plus time on. How do you think that is going to impact a group like the Eagles? For, for, for myself, obviously, I think it's going to be a big deal for Nick Nat, these guys on limited minutes, guys, Darling, Kennedy, you know, that are being managed in the preseason, McGovern. Do you think that could actually be a bit of an advantage for the Eagles, playing those shortened quarters? Absolutely. I, I think it might help answer one of the, the tricky questions we have is that who shares the ruck with Nat Nui? So with, with him coming back from injury and wanting to manage his minutes, if if the game's shorter, maybe you, you can go with a Bailey-Williams support as opposed to having to play a, a specialist ruckman in there. And I think it'll actually work out really well for us. And like you say, we've got some senior guys that have, haven't have played much in, in the preseason and it's, it's going to be a great hit out for them. I think Nat Nui's the big one because it, it has been and was going to be a difficult question about how we, we set up our rucks because I think ideally they'd like to have Nat Nui as the main ruck and either Oscar Allen when he's available or, or Bailey Williams as that forward pinch hit ruck. Um, but it's a bit difficult to do when you've got 30 uh, 35 minute quarters but when it's only um 16 time on then uh, i think yeah i think that we can can handle the bulk of the ruck and we should see a, a real dynamic performance from him he'll, he'll do some some massive damage in the short minutes keys let's have a chat about bailey williams we've discussed him on the board obviously he's been one of the main topics of conversation is will bailey williams play in round one now, obviously, he's been dealing with a couple of little injuries over the offseason, a hamstring quite recently. He's listed as a test. The injury report in general is pretty clear for the Eagles. So given that they have all of the rucks to choose from coming in, uh, we are playing these shortened quarters, but Melbourne, a great ruck unit. Do we see Bailey Williams make his debut in round one? I think if, he's, if his hamstring's okay and he's cleared to play, I think we do from when I was actually paying attention to what the club was doing um, through pre-season, there seemed to be quite a clear preference to play uh, Nat Nui with a pinch-hitting ruckman and not Hickey. Hickey's a pure ruckman, so I don't think he really suits a second-ruck role. And particularly with the shortened quarters, uh, we're not going to need someone to ruck for, for as long. So a pinch-hitter comes in and, and Williams clearly outperformed Vardy over the season. Um, so I think, provided his hamstring's okay, I think he comes in. If his hamstring's not okay, I don't think Vardy actually played well enough to justify putting him in the side. So I can't remember what... I think Allen's is probably not okay for this round. I think he's been building fitness. He's at that level of the return yeah, still. Yeah, so, so I don't think he's quite ready to be thrown in. Yeah. But with the shortened quarters, they might... They might roll the dice and, and say, well, we're going to pinch hit with uh, McGovern or or Darling or something like that. I, I mean, it's it's not something I thought we'd be, be saying, but maybe, you know, you, you're dropping 20% game time. So, I mean, you look at Nat Nui was probably good for 
about six percent of game time in a in a regular eighty minutes plus time on. So that's forty eight minutes disregarding time on. So you've got to apply someone to another, the other thirty two. Now you're trying to find someone for another sixteen minutes of clock time. So that's not near as much. So you might find that they um, they do roll the dice and go for a, a surprise selection and and just roll the dice with with someone like McGovern perhaps. And I think the other the other way is like with Williams, he's not going to perhaps have to play as much. So they might they might just you know take the chance with his with his hammy and perhaps with the back of their mind thinking, well, we're only going to play one round and then we're going to have six or seven weeks off. So if he pings it, it's not that detrimental in a forward pitcher sense anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's that's another factor where the, the long-term clarity of the league or, or I suppose the, the confusion around the long-term future of the league as it currently stands is, uh, you know, that that's a factor that coaches are going to have to weigh up and the match committee is going to have to weigh up. For myself, I think Williams will play. Supposedly, Oscar Allen trained with part of the A team on uh, on during the latest match sim, so he may be closer than I'd otherwise realised, but I, I actually think Williams is trending in the direction to play. They liked him in the Marsh series, opening with him in that Essendon game. Uh, he showed some good signs. I thought he showed good signs towards the back end of last year. And Keys, like you say, you're only finding a Ruckman for 16 to 20 minutes now. He provides a little bit more up forward than last year's version of Vardy or last year's version of Hickey, that sort of thing. So I, I think, uh, yeah, Bailey Williams is probably going to play. KK, somebody that we definitely know will play. It will be Tim Kelly's debut officially in the blue and gold. He's his home and away debut. Now, that midfield unit looked stacked. It had its struggles in the preseason despite how good it looks on paper. What do you anticipate to see out of Tim Kelly in his first official game for the West Coast Eagles? Yeah, he uh, he looked silk at times in the in the preseason, didn't he? This um, we were probably a bit flat as a unit, but I don't read too much into the the preseason, and it's going to take a bit for him to get used to to, to being into a new into a new midfield. But we've got to be encouraged by what we've seen so far, and and also the way he performed when he was at Geelong. He went there into a midfield he's unfamiliar with. He had obviously a lot of um, a difficult sort of off-field situation with with trying to get settled over in Geelong, but he still performed at an unbelievable level on the field. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of don't want to put too much pressure on him because it is going to be his first season getting used to the rest of the players. But um, it, it's hard not to be excited. He some of the things he does, um, yeah, just just pure silk and clean, and, and really just looks a class above a lot of the other players around him. And I, I think he's probably been holding a bit in reserve in pre-season, as all our players have, and hopefully they get up and start showing it on the weekend. Keys, another player, another potential inclusion. that uh, It's a name that's floated around the topic of conversation for the last year and indeed two years. Jared Brander, we saw him get quite an extended run on the wing throughout the preseason. You, of course, saw plenty firsthand at preseason training as well. His name has cropped up a few times. Shuey mentioned it in the press conference, and there's a bit of buzz about it in the media, certainly people asking the team about Jared Brander's selection. For yourself, if you were at the uh, at the helm of the match committee, does Jared Brander play in round one? Yeah, I think so. I think they've been prepping for him. I think they've actually planned for him to play on the wing um, all pre-season. Um, I think after the Fremantle game, the press conference with Simpson post-match, I think he said there was stuff to be encouraged. I think he 
he did say, look, there's things he's got to work on. But it was the the, the tone of it was about a player that they expect to be playing in round one. Um, I think he he he's almost a he's almost a definite. I'd be I'd be really surprised if his name's not in the 22 when the team's announced, whenever that might be. So I'm quite excited to see him. It's a, it's a hell of a shame for him. He gets his first home, his first game at, at Optus Stadium, and he's going to be playing in front of nobody. So you, you've got a feel for the guy. He's like, oh yeah, I'll get to play at Optus, and yeah, no one's going to be watching. And you know, it's perhaps questionable whether his parents can even get across to to watch him play. That's the other thing. Um, normally, it's a bit of a you know, it's a no-brainer when a player plays like that. The parents come across and watch. I mean, that might not even happen. So. But I, I think you'll I think you'll play. I think uh, the other guys. I think we've got we've got our first six midfielders, which you know Kelly, Yo, Shuey, Gaff, Sheed, and Redden. They're locks. I think there's one one more sort of forward come mid spot, and I think the guys like Hutchings and Archie that have played also. I don't think their form's been good enough to say well they're not getting a, a spot in front of him. So. For me, random plays. All right, let's do this. Let's do a little rapid fire. We obviously can't name every player in the team. As I touched on, the injury report is uh, pretty good. We're, we're fairly healthy. I think I saw a stat today where the third or fourth fewest games uh, missed on the injury report. You know, it's all it's it's Jared Cameron, it's uh, Tom Cole, Luke Foley, obviously Dan Venables as well. Uh, so not not an extensive number of people on the injury list. So let's just do a rapid fire. We'll assume all the all the main players are in, all the key uh, cogs of the team are in. KK, I'll start with you and I'll, I'll go back and forward. All right, KK, Bailey Williams, does he play, yes or no? Yes. Keys, yes? Yes. Uh, Keys, you were a yes for Brander. KK, yes or no? Yes. Jackson Nelson, I thought he had a really interesting preseason, pretty pretty good uh, effort in both of the Marsh games, showed a little bit of growth. Keys, does he play in round one? Yes, I think it's possibly between him and Schofield. Uh, KK, Nelson, and also I'll throw you Hutchings as well. How many spots are we up to? Oh, 29 probably. Who cares? <laughs> no, no, I, none I, of this counts. I could say yes to everyone and we'll end up with a list of 25. Yeah, I think Nelson's probably a yes. And Hutch, Hutchings for yourself? Yeah, probably a no. I, th- I just think, he'll, as he said, he'll get squeezed out with Kelly coming into that and and Brander taking a wing spot. I think I could see him getting squeezed out. All right, we got we've finally got some no's on on Hutchings. Uh, any one of Tracy, Jermaine Jones, Nick Reed, any one of those play? No, I think with a with a fairly full list, I don't I don't think uh, any of those three fit in. If it was one of them, it would be Tracy. I did see a comment around Jones saying he needs to get up to match fitness, and Reed has still got some issues with his shoulder, so. Those two definitely not. Tracy's Tracy's a an outside chance, but for me it's no. Yeah, ditto for keys. Yep, I'd say no, and Tracy for either one. Okay, so it is obviously going to be a difficult one to gauge. We've touched on the lack of energy that's going to be in the building, but obviously the guys seem pretty keen to get out there. We've got 
Nick Knapp fit and firing. We've got a, a most of our tall forwards are going to be you know ready to go and and ready to fire in the shortened quarters as well. You've got to think that will help. The midfield unit looks good on paper. Melbourne they've got a, a pretty solid injury list as well in terms of you know not not too many key names get set to miss. They they should be coming in pretty close to full strength. We've seen a lot of buzz in the preseason about their midfield unit about Petraka looking good. Finally, again, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. So, Keys, I will start with you. Give me a tip for the game. Give me a best on ground. And uh, maybe let's pretend the game fully goes ahead and there's no issues. Maybe what's going to be the, the lasting uh, thought from, from uh, Sunday's game? I think Melbourne actually coming in with their form over the preseason was quite solid without me having watched them. But they had their results seemed pretty good. So they're going to be... A, they're going to be a test. I hope, I think, and I'm hoping that we've got another gear to go to from what we showed in pre-season. So I'm going to go with about 15 points, which is what we did them by both times last year. And I'm going to go with Kelly as best on ground. I think he he was on two-thirds rep power during the pre-season. He just wanted to get through the games. He's going to he's going to explode. And if you think back to last year. His pre-season form actually wasn't that good for Geelong and he came out round one and blitzed. I think he's going to do the same thing this year. He's going to, he's going to be BOG. He's going to go 30 and 3. Well, maybe not 33 and 3 because it's shorter. So let's say 25 and 2. We'll do uh, like the NBA. The NBA sort of average all their stats out to per 36. We'll do a, we'll do a, a per 80 or whatever the normal one is. He'll be at 30 and 3 on, a, on his per 80. Yep. KK? Your thoughts on how the game plays out? Who's going to win? How much are they going to win by? Who's going to be best on ground? And come Monday morning, what are we going to be taking away from Sunday's action? I think it'll be tight too, just because it's it's round one. You don't really know what to expect. And and also with the shortened games, the, the scoring will be less. So the games are naturally going to be a bit tighter. So I'll go just under keys. I'll say Eagles by 13 points. And I think... Josh Kennedy um, had a, a full preseason for the first time in ages, looked really good, and I'll, I'll back back him to kick a bag. I think with Nat Nui fit, we should get some good ball coming out of the middle, and I still don't rate Melbourne down back. So, um, yeah, Kennedy, to have a good one, kick five. Very good. Now, you made a good point there about the shortened games, uh, meaning closer games as well. So you've saved myself from making a bit of a fall there because uh, I was going to go super high. I might dial it back a little bit. I'll dial it back to the Eagles winning by 28 points, which uh, in the in the per 36, in the per 80, I should say, is probably you know works out closer to a 40-point win, something like that. I think the Eagles should have enough for Melbourne. Uh, the atmosphere is going to be interesting, but if the boys can get off to the correct start and really get themselves up for the game. Like Key said, I do think they've got enough for Melbourne. Kennedy, I like that shout. I'm going to go Elliot Yo as well. You're looking at that at that 06 era where Daniel Kerr was our third best mid. Well, suddenly Elliot Yo is getting no attention. We've seen him deal with the tag. We've seen Shuey deal with the tag. Let's say that Shuey gets it and then Kelly gets the next bit of attention. Well, good luck stopping Elliot Yo. A big game coming up for him and uh, the Eagles will start the season with a pretty important win. Maybe that'll be the end of the season, but uh, we'll, we'll deal with that on Monday, I suppose. All right, gents, that will do it from us this week. It's been a chaotic one. There's been a lot to get through, and uh, I don't know if we've actually answered anything that we didn't know up top. I don't know that we're any closer to solving this whole debacle, but uh, KK, thanks for coming on and airing your thoughts nonetheless. No problem. Um 
still shaking my head about it, but it is what it is. And just, just hope for the best. Hope the Eagles get a win and hope everyone stays safe and we, we get through this as a society and an economy as quickly as we can because it's going to be a lot of pain in the pipeline, unfortunately. And on that note, it is I will sort of give the AFL some credit for going ahead with the game because I think it'd be nice to have a bit of an escape from it for a while. So particularly in my industry, we're just looking at uh, some pretty horrendous um, financial futures. And, yeah, if we can focus on footy for a couple of hours, it might be good for everyone. Very good point. Well made. Keys for yourself as well. I think we're all in agreement that there's a, it's been pretty chaotic, but uh, you've come on to try and help us make some sense of it, and that is very much appreciated. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no worries. Echo what uh, KK said, that it's all said and done. A bit of footy will be a welcome distraction for a couple of hours. We'll see what happens. Um, grand scheme of things, that's not overly important, but it will be nice just to see the boys run around and uh, yell and scream and call it the green boys. That's the one. The Eagles are going to win. They're going to win by heaps. They're going to be on top of the ladder at the end of round one. Guys, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. As I said up top, if you'd like to get in contact, you can through Big Footy. You can get in contact with us on Twitter uh, and also iTunes, reviews, ratings, subscriptions, any of that. It is very much appreciated. Thanks, as always, for getting in touch with us and uh, for keeping up with the podcast throughout the season. We'll be back next week in some form or another. And, yeah, stay tuned for that. And all the best for round one. Bye, guys. Yep. See ya. Stay safe, everybody. Bye, Bye for now.